Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. While most of us are used to hearing about what we can do externally to address the climate crisis, my guest today believes that the climate battle is not fought, but healed inside each of us and among each of us. Jack Adam Weber is my guest today, and we'll be talking about what this healing is about and how we can become what he calls medicine for our times. That means to be a potent part of the solution. Are you ready to meet him? Jack Adam Weber is a Chinese medicine clinician, having graduated valedictorian of his class in 2000. He's also an organic farmer, a celebrated poet, and he's authored hundreds of articles, thousands of poems, and several books. He's an activist for embodied spirituality and writes extensively on the subjects of holistic medicine, emotional depth work, mind-body integration, and climate crisis, challenging his readers to think and act outside the box. Jack also developed the Nourish Practice, a deeply restorative embodied meditation practice that doubles as an educational guide for healing the wounds of childhood. You can find out more about Jack and his work at jackadamweber.com. Dot com. Jack Wilson, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I appreciate being here. I want to dive right in because your work has um, opened some new vistas for me here. What is it that you mean when you say climate cure? What's that? Hmm. Well, I I use the title climate cure because it it implies healing. And so I work in the healing arts. And I also wanted to convey the notion that we're not in a climate fight, right? So that that creates a sort of othering and separation from the climate crisis. And I encourage readers throughout the book and, you know, umbrellaed by the title to, to change our perspective that this is about what we've done to the world. And, and why we've done it, and how to move out of it into a more prosperous relationship with the planet and with other life forms. Does cure suggest that everything could still be okay? It's a good question. Um, no. I, the, the, the bad news is that we're already in climate crisis. We already have a significant damage that's been done. I won't go through that, that list, but it is listed in the appendix of the book under the climate science section. Um, a lot has already been damaged. And even if we stopped our emissions today, uh, we would continue to reap the effects of our actions with emissions and pollution for at least the next 10 years. That's um, alluding to some peer-reviewed science that shows that the maximum warming potential of one molecule of carbon dioxide, a 
occurs 10.1 years after it's released, meaning that we don't experience the warming effect of the emissions that we release until 10 years later at, their, at, at the peak. Wow. So, so not everything can be cured at all. And, and we're in a very difficult position. And my, my work really, the, the, the crux of it is really to show people how to care again. And, and when we care, we'll naturally do the things that are meaningful. It can be hard to tap into that care when we're so scared. Absolutely. So I, I could say more about the, the scared word, but I'll, I'll wait for your cue. Would you please say more about the scared word, Jack? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's why I have an entire chapter in the book dedicated to fear. And people who have read the book report that it's, it's been really helpful for them to deal with the pandemic that we're going through and all the fear that's running a lot of the polarizations that we see. So um, these polarizations, you know, sort of develop, I, I think that, that they develop from, from the, the fight or flight response that's created by fear, right? So we know fear triggers our fight or flight and fight or flight is a polarized response and to create an integrated, you know, healthy, helpful response, we have to learn how to deal with fear. And I promise you, and I promise every listener that if you read the fear chapter in the book, you're going to learn things about fear that you did not know. And I, you know, pull my hair out sometimes just seeing the different memes on social media about fear and everything about fear. And it's like, it's so shallow and it's so improperly communicated. So yes, it's very difficult to care in the face of fear. And the more that we can regulate and understand and actually leverage fear for our benefit, the more we can, the, the more we can care. So I like to say that fear and love are, are not diametrically opposed. Fear and love are integrated. And when we learn how to work with fear, we can use it in service of love. I hadn't thought of it that way, but there's a way in which maybe connecting with that fear instead of us driving, instead of fear driving us deeper into imbalance, which is what often happens, we become aware that something's not right. And then that awareness drives us farther out of balance. It might instead help us carefully step back into a relationship with balance. One of the things you said in the book was that. 75% of the battle to be climate aware and to take meaningful climate action occurs between our deep hearts and our first steps in the world. That fear we carry sometimes is, is in our deep hearts and it can direct our steps. Right. So how do we start to make changes internally that can affect something as big as the climate crisis. That quote, it's one of my favorite quotes in the book and one to which I refer often. And it sort of summarizes and, and captures the, the essence of the book. Um, so the, the angle that I take in the book, and this is through boiling down a lot of scientific research and 
neurobiology, um, cognitive science, depth psychology, is, is to notice how much of what we do, well, not only what we believe, right, but what we do, because how we act often is, is determined by what we believe. And what we believe um, is often determined by the emotional cues that happen even below our level of awareness. And a lot of that pioneering work was done by the neuroscientist Antonio Damasio. And so I've really focused on the emotions, right? And, and if we can't work with our emotions, if we can't be emotionally intelligent and work with difficult states of being, then the, the wounds and the motivations in our emotions that don't get worked out end up in our actions. Mm-hmm. And if they're kept in our shadow, then we act in a way that shadowed, despite, as Jung would say, our best intentions. So, you know, kind of circling back to climate cure and, and that link between creating, establishing a relationship between ourselves and the climate crisis, that it, that it emanates from us. I, I like to say that, that the climate crisis is our own darkness coming back to greet us, right? So when we deny our own darkness and especially our emotional shadow, which I go into a lot in the emotional shadow work chapter, when we deny that, it finds a way to come back at us because what we deny, we end up projecting. And what we project, we end up hurting the world. So when that world is hurt, right? Creating imbalance, it comes back to get us, not as a conscious vengeance thing, but just as the imbalance that's created. So in that sense, we, we, we have to understand that the climate crisis is our, is our own doing more so than just, you know, releasing emissions and creating pollution. And it's our own doing not, that realization is not meant to, to, to scare us or, but it's meant instead to help us come back into balance. You talk in the book about the idea of a resilience relationship, that triangle. Can you say a little bit about that? Sure. And I just want to touch on what you said, that, that it's not meant to scare us. Well, that's true. There, there might be some fear in, in facing what we've done and what's going on. And that's why I have so much information in the book about dealing with fear. Yeah. But it's it's really meant beyond what's scary. It's meant to to bring us back into a state of of adulthood, right? Of mm-hmm. of being mature and taking responsibility. So taking responsibility as caring adults for the world that we're in and that we've helped create, and which we ourselves have the power to turn around to a certain degree. So, Karen, regarding the triangle of resilience relationships, can you just um, guide me a little bit more specifically in terms of what you're curious about? Sure. Well, we had been talking about how you were talking about how the climate crisis is is kind of us us coming back on ourselves, mm-hmm. and how the things that we um, don't acknowledge or the things that we project but are un um, undealt with always come back around. And what interests me about that triangle of resilience relationships is that there are ways in which we are out of balance. We can get out of balance internally, and then 
with the world around us and then with the the bigger systems in the world around us that are also a reflection of what we have been afraid to look at in ourselves. Right. And I I agree with all that. So you're asking how the trans, triangle of resilience relationships play into that dynamic? Yes, I'd love to hear more about that. Okay, yeah. So so the triangle of resilience um is is a, a term that I coined to to convey our support network, right? It's like what we have to do. And I mentioned how a triangle is the most um the strongest geometrical shape. And so this this triangle is is something that supports us like on all sides, right? So that we can move into the future and so that we can face our fears and deal with all these difficult emotions I'm talking about. And also just gain important cognitive perspectives that are really helpful. So so those three relationships um, are the context in which we can resiliently move into and interface with the climate crisis so that we can protect our own health and well-being so that we can um, have support going through it and so that we can communicate most effectively and so that we can have the best effect on the world. And so those, that triangle is consider, uh, composed of three facets. And one of those facets, the primary one, is a relationship to ourselves. And that's where we need to be emotionally intelligent, cognitively savvy, you know, mind body integrated to to work out all this difficult stuff, right? And someone else can't do that for us. We have to do it ourselves. So in the book, I go through um, you know, a long process of of grief work, how to cope and manage anxiety, how to cope and manage and um find the the uh the gems in in fear, um with anger, with helplessness. So and with hopelessness as well. So, so that's one facet, right? That relationship with ourselves, but that relationship with ourselves, you know, none of us are, an, none of us is an island. So the, the, the second facet is, is our relationship with the natural world. So the natural world, so each of these facets supports the other, just like a triangle supported by all of its sides. And when we lose one of those facets, you know, the other, the other two facets are compromised. So the second one is our relationship with the natural world. And, you know, if we don't have a relationship, an in-person relationship with the things that we love, then we're not really going to care for them. I mean, look at our relationship, for example, with our pets, right? I mean, if, if someone else has something that, that, you know, tragic that happens to their pet, we might feel some compassion and some empathy. But if it happens to someone's pets, you know, especially our own, that we're close to, well, then it affects us tremendously. So it's important to have a, an intimate relationship with the things that matter most. And, and one of those, the, the primary one, you know, in the climate crisis is the natural world, which is, which is the world that's, that's sort of, you know, impinging back upon us. And the third facet is relationship with one another. So that's a third facet of the triangle of resilience. Um, so our relationship with one another, really having intimate community, supportive, heartfelt, soulful community that we can get support with and, and, and feel bolstered by. And there's kind of an invisible web, you know, when we're connected to an intimate group of, 
of, of others to help manage crises. And, you know, I've created that in Ojai, where I live in California, you know, with some of the support groups, um, you know, a grief group and a climate change support group, et cetera. And it makes all the difference. You are listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Jack Adam Weber. His new book is Climate Cure, Heal Yourself to Heal the Planet. And you can find out more about Jack and his work at jackadamweber.com. I love the exercises in the book and how practical it is. And there are journaling exercises at the end of every chapter. What might listeners start to do? Something maybe they could start to do today, something they can take away that helps them start their own healing around all of this. Mm. Let me pause with that question. Each question you ask me has like eight different directions I could go. So <laughs> I have to see which ones light up the, the most and it takes a moment to notice sometimes. Um, so I, you know, I would say that, you know, I'll, I'll mention maybe three top ones that come to me. And because the, you know, my, my work here is like an inside out kind of a thing. I mean, ultimately it matters what we do in the world, right? It's not like we can just you know, all heal ourselves unto ourselves, you know, right. remember the triangle of resilience relationship. So we ultimately have to act in a way that b helps bring the outer world back into balance. So I think that, you know, in terms of climate cure goes, we, we can begin to unearth our care again. And, and in a nutshell, how do we unearth our care? <clears throat> you know, grief work is very important for that. And I talk about, um, the encrustations around our hearts and the, the ways that we've been wounded, the ways that we've been hurt and the, the, the uncrustations that we carry inside that prevent us from caring. I mean, you have to love your life to a degree to care enough to take care of it. Right. And, and others. So, so, you know, unfettering our, our, our care is very important. And so that's a lot of the emotional work I talk about in the book. And a second thing that people can begin to do is is an action item and it's and it's really lobby your local government so try to get involved in whatever way go to city council meetings write letters to your local government um, to cut emissions in your city or your town or your county because that's that's really really important you know and there's a lot of science that's behind that but in a nutshell it's because you know most climate scientists agree that that the changes that we need to make are 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 top down right it's too much to ask of of each individual person or community to make tremendous personal sacrifices for example um you know having having a grid that's mostly solar and renewable you know then people can continue using their electricity and have it be more sustainable source than than like using no to very minimal electricity um <clears throat> So I, another thing that, that I think is really, really key is to minimalize your life. So start to declutter it, start to simplify it so that you are not so burdened by things that don't matter enough. Um, there are lots of examples for this. Everybody has their own, you know, clutter, whether it's psychic clutter, you know, emotional clutter, relationship clutter. Um, personal items clutter, overhead clutter, um, begin to just 
clear as much of that away so that you have time to start caring, so that you have time to do emotional work, so that you have time to dedicate some of your energy to the things that, that matter in the world. Hmm. You talk about climate change as a guru, as a, as a disguise, as a healer who shows up in disguise. And I feel like the inner work you're calling us to also helps us take the disguises off ourselves. Does that resonate with you? Yes, yes. And it, it relates back to what I was talking about before um, of how climate, the climate crisis is our own darkness coming back upon us, right? So that there's another sort of dynamic that I, that I mentioned in the book at, at several points. And it's that the climate crisis and our own personal crises or the, the climate trauma and our own personal traumas intersect in our hearts. So I think what we've seen happen a lot through the, the, the COVID, the pandemic crisis, is that people freak out because their own traumas, right, their own fears, their own wounds sort of get triggered by this sort of outer chaos. And I, I think the same thing happens with the climate crisis in, in the sense that when we start paying attention, right, it, it begins to trigger us. So that's why I really focus on the emotional work in the book, because I've realized that I think it's really hard for people to pay attention because paying attention means that we get triggered with all this stuff. So, so, so learning how to do that, right, and learning how to work through the emotions and the issues, and there, you know, there are many, many facets of these issues, not just emotional, that, that come up for us. That's a way that we can take, you know, what seems like a lose-lose, right? So maybe most people shrink away from, from the bad news or, or facing reality because it's too hard to deal with. But what I'm trying to say is that we can take that difficulty and use it not to shrink away from ourselves and the world, but to engage with ourselves and with the world so that whatever is triggered in us with the climate here, whatever, whatever triggers we have that triggers you know, our, our issues with climate crisis, it's reciprocal. We can use those issues to, to bring to light the places where we're hurt, the places where we're fractured, the places that we haven't reconciled and begin to take on this, this big you know, interbeing you know, healing transformational relationship. Jack, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. That is Jack Adam Weber. His new book is Climate Cure, Heal Yourself to Heal the Planet. And you can find out more about Jack and about his work. We didn't even scratch the surface. There is so much here. Find everything at jackadamweber.com. That's Jack Adam W E B E R, jackadamweber.com. And you're always welcome over at karenhager.com. It's a great place to find out about what coming, what's coming up next on this radio program and to see the classes and events, find out what's going on in my world. You can also book a private session with me there if you are so inclined. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Fog City Psychic. That's how to find me there. And we started to put these episodes up on YouTube. And you can go to youtube.com and search on Karen Hager and my big smiling face will pop up and you might find recordings there that you have missed. If you believe as I do that when we focus on change, and I think like Jack was saying, we can't just 
try to change things by, through the sheer force of our will, through from the outside out. If you believe, as I do, that we change from the inside out always, you may be interested in what you find at openpeacefulheart.com. That's a free monthly 15-minute guided meditation open to everybody where we sit and hold a sacred space for creating, nurturing, honoring peace in ourselves and peace in the world. You're very welcome to join us once a month. And there are recorded meditations there at openpeacefulheart.com for you to stream whenever you want them. That's at openpeacefulheart.com. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.